You're listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast with Joe and Eric Hughes. And now, here's the Hughes Brothers. Welcome into the Win or Hughes Podcast, a Bay Area sports podcast with a heavy focus on the Oakland A's. And another week, we are talking about some struggles for the A's. I'm Joe Hughes, alongside my co-host, Eric Hughes. And we do have a lot to talk about because even though there's not a lot of wins for the A's, there were a lot of moves that the team was making and want to get into some of the struggles and see if we can maybe come up with some solutions. There's a lot of problems for the A's and it's easy to kind of pick at those problems, Rick, and point like, oh, this is an issue, this is an issue. But I want to see if maybe we can think about some things that are some solutions for some of these problems. And we'll go over that, including the starting pitching woes. Maybe how they can do that and get a little deeper into games, which has been an issue. Uh, some positive signs for the A's, including the third start of Shintaro Fujinami, which was clearly his best outing. And a little bit of an issue at the end for it. Also, the emergence of a man that I'm calling Brent, the bane of Baltimore Rooker, who really stood out for the A's. And uh, the A's offense coming around a little bit here uh, in the last week or so. I, I don't think you say that the problem solved necessarily, but... You know, you can point to them and say like, hey, you've solved some issues from earlier in this. So we're going to go through a couple of those things. I want to start with uh, the A's pitching because that has been the dominant problem for this team so far this season. You know, I, I was looking through the numbers, just trying to find some positivity. There's not a lot there. The A's season ERA, and this is after Shintaro Fujinami started on Saturday. So it's actually come down. It sits at 7.97 as a staff. No other team in baseball has an ERA higher than six. And for the Oakland A's, it's more troubling than that because you look at innings one through six, and the A's team ERA, 8.90, almost nine runs in the first six innings. Those are the innings you're hoping your starters are going to cover. And in theory, those are your best guys. You want them covering that. And that's uh, that's pretty bad because second worst in baseball is the Red Sox at 6.40. So the A's giving up more than two runs, almost more than three runs to the next closest team in those first six innings. And Rick, we were out at the game on Friday night, which was the disastrous game against the Mets where the A's walked 17, just self-inflicted wound after self-inflicted wound in a game that was kind of a throwback as far as the timing went. It was almost a a three-and-a-half-hour game. Just overall, you want to see some improvement. We've seen a little bit with that from Ken Waldachuk and Shintaro Fujinami's outing, but overall, it does feel a little bit like the same story for the A's, the way that the starting pitching has struggled early on in games. Yeah, the, the starting pitching has been rough. We've gotten to see a couple of bright spots. These are just bright spots comparatively, right? It's all relative, right? It's all relative. <laughs> we're, we're talking about Waldachuk going six innings. You know, uh, Fuji, with his uh, most recent start, was able to get through six innings, a three-hit ball, and then went out for a seventh inning. You know, we grew up with the big three, you know, getting used to seeing complete game shutouts a little bit when that's what you grow up with. You you kind of don't realize how special that was. Now what we're looking at is people getting through six innings and go, what an accomplishment. It's not a bad call. I mean, it, it, it's rough because it's hard to find faults in the plan, right? If you're Mark Kotze, I've got this guy penciled in to be my starter. I'm hoping to get at least five innings from him. That's not an unreasonable request, even with you know the lack of resume that a lot of these guys have. You're just asking for five. 
And unfortunately, we've seen it where the A's are getting through four, four and a third, four and two thirds, three and a third, coming out super early in these games and just taxing the bullpen time after time where the A's just had to make moves. Like this week, they they had Adam Aller start in Baltimore. Then that meant that they weren't able to use him as a long man. So they had to essentially send him down to AAA, call up a guy who they then had to use as a long man. And then that meant they couldn't use him the next night. So then they had to send him down so they could call somebody else up because they can't trust right now. They can't trust their starting pitchers to get deep enough into games where they can't get through it without having two long men available in their bullpen thinking, I'm going to need two guys to cover at least six innings until I can get to my regular bullpen plan. Something that we've continued to talk about is the new rules, right? And we've seen that when the pitcher has kind of got his back against the ropes and he doesn't really have that time to to calm himself down, that we are seeing managers making that change, knowing that, okay, I've got to get him out of there before this really goes bad. We saw that in Fuji's first start where that third inning he just couldn't get out of. And I'm sure that's a big reason why the A's ERA is uh, so high. That really ballooned it really early. So it's going to take a while for that to come back down. But we've seen it with other teams too in that Guardian series when the A's got the Guardian starter out of there in the second inning. But the Guardians were able to to use that to their advantage and still come and make a win out of that. So I do think a little bit is a rule change where it probably is a little bit tougher for a starter to to go a little farther because when they start kind of losing it and losing command and losing control and they start giving up those big hits or or hard hit balls, they don't really get to take that time and that breather. And I, I it you know, we've seen it, it's even impacted uh, all-star catchers. Like we've seen Rail Muto talk about the impact. He he feels the pressure. And th- that's somebody that's been in the game, who's been there, who's done it. When the A's with having a lot of young or inexperienced players, it just makes me wonder how much more that pressure is impacting them or how much it's also impacting the coaching staff and making them think about the way they're thinking about it, what decisions they feel like they have to make. I'm glad you brought that up because it is something I wanted to touch on, and I guess we can seg right into it. The start for Shintaro Fujinami on Saturday, he did a lot of what you're talking about, and that was a change. As much as we wanted to see him be a finished product when he came to the major leagues, this was growing pains, right? From what we saw in the first two starts, and he's gotten better each start, which is encouraging, right? He got better after the first start, and this last start was easily his best start out there but he was doing some things that i i thought were were prudent you know he did something where if he got into a little bit of trouble he would use that pickoff throw even if he wasn't going to throw off he would step off the rubber do the fake throw over and that bottom some time and he would wait until the pitch clock was down at like two or three seconds and then do that then you get a reset and you know all of a sudden it's like you've gotten a 30 second break and something that happened in the that same game uh, it was late in the game. Trevor May was on the mound. And what the A's did is they saw Trevor May kind of walking around. And the catcher, Carlos Perez, called timeout, walked out. And he was like, you know what? It's late in the game. We've got mound visits. I'm going to go use one. I'm going to go burn that time. I'm going to give my guy a little breather and a little bit of a break. So you're right. That's part of the new rule adjustments is guys finding ways to how are we going to use these rules to our advantage when we need them, including like, hey, I've got mound visits. Now's a good time to go give my guy a breather right now. 
glad to see that Fuji was able to have a, a good day today, but it probably seemed like he was probably ready to go after six. And we know that's kind of been the story with Fuji, that when he loses it, it it's just, it's gone. It's not like it slowly starts falling apart. It's just gone. It's busted. And it's busted. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think that's part of it, too, is like it goes to the, the coaching staff as well and their decisions, too. But these are tough, different decisions. They're different decisions than what they experienced when they were in the game. Situations that they knew and were comfortable with and go, this is the the choice that you make. Those are changing. And so I, I think it's just been a big learning curve. I know the, the pitching has been um, an area of needed growth, to say the least, right? But we, we saw early offensive struggles. And so we saw the offense start going. So we've also seen mistakes from the coaching staff too. You know, we we talked about the windmill problem when they were just sending guys at third and and those weren't even very close and they're turning into outs and then they're getting hits after that that you just kind of assume would have led to runs had they had held the guy at third. And then it was probably a mistake for Kotze to leave him out there today. We know he we're trying to get him experience. But that also goes back to what I was saying last podcast is maybe the way he gets that experience, because we already know there are so many changes going on for him. Maybe Fuji should be the long reliever guy. And I I understand like there was, you know, it's part of the deal to get him to come to the A's. Hey, you're you're going to be a starter here. And he's doing this six day thing. But then it just also makes me think, like, you think of Aller, right? Like, you are the long reliever, and now you're going to go out and be a starter. And I I don't know what's going on. Clearly, nobody seems to know what's going on, but we know that there's problems. I think you bring up a good point with Fujinami, because if he is going to pitch every Saturday and get that extra day of rest, there's a lot more pressure to go deeper into games in your starts. If you're going to get that extra time and put some extra pressure on the the rotation and, and the bullpen... You got to get six innings in there. And I think maybe that played a little bit of the role on Saturday when Mark Kotze decided to leave him out there. And I think that's part of Kotze being aggressive, you know, trusting a guy. But I think there were signs that say, you know what, you got to protect your guy a little bit from himself because Mark Kotze had a chance to take Fujinami out after six innings when he'd allowed just three hits, one earned run, one walk, five Ks, gave up the monster home run to Pete Alonso. But you get him out of there and he's feeling good. He's leaving the mound with a really good feeling like, hey, I took care of some of those issues. I fought off the control. I only walked one guy. And so, of course, he's fired up. He's like, yeah, man, I got you. I got you, Skip. Send me back out there. There is not a pitcher that is not going to say that. Those guys are always going to want the ball. They're always going to want to go back out there. But Fujinami was struggling a little bit with his command at the end. You know, he, he didn't have an insane number of pitches. It was like 83 pitches. He stretched out to 100. So I get what Mark Kotze is thinking. And he's thinking, well, if I put him back out there for the seventh and he finishes that, his confidence is going to be even higher. But the velocity was dropping. You know, he was 98 miles an hour with that fastball. And then the home run that he gave up to Mark Hanna was 94. And those are those things we saw it with uh, other pitchers in the past, like Sean Maniah would look like an ace. And once that velocity started ticking down a little bit, you got to go get your guy. And I think that's an issue because not only do you get Fuji out of there feeling good, something to build on. I mean, not that his numbers were bad at the end of his start, but it could have felt better. And you set up your bullpen for clean innings. 
You know, you're bringing in Trevor May with a clean inning. Say, this is yours. You're not going to have to clean up somebody else's mess. I think you bring up a good point with what that had the potential to do for Fuji's confidence. And one of the things I'm thinking is, what do you think the vibes are in the clubhouse right now? And one of the things I was thinking about earlier today going back to when I watched Moneyball a little bit earlier in the season, and there's that scene when Brad Pitt walks into the clubhouse and the the guy that's Jeremy Giambi is up there dancing, and he's like, right. that's not losing, you know, and like throws a bat. That's losing, right? So I, 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 I agree with that, right? Like when you lose a game, you, you should you shouldn't be happy. You shouldn't be celebrating. You should be thinking about the mistakes, the things you need to improve. But then you think about this roster and what really this roster is kind of designed for when nobody, nobody has the expectations that this roster was going to challenge for the beginning at the beginning of the season. And I highly doubt if anyone did that they still think that now, but what is the vibe in that clubhouse now? And just like you said, what this would have done for Fuji's confidence, but that didn't happen. So that didn't build that confidence. And it just makes me wonder, what is that vibe and how long is that expected to be that vibe? If it's that same kind of, that's not what losing sounds like. Is that what it's going to be all season long? Then what's that going to do just for the player's psyche? It's a good question because it feels like the vibe changes night after night right now, right? Like after Friday night's game when everyone was walking around and you had 17 uh, walks, it it was a terrible vibe. We heard Mark Kotze kind of come out with some, you know, pretty candid comments after the game when he basically said that it feels like it's a non-competitive environment. He's not talking about the Coliseum. He's talking about the way that his team was playing in that game and he was super frustrated. And I think some of that maybe spilled over in the way that he was aggressive in sending Fujinami back out for the seventh inning the next day because you're trying to get a win. You're 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 craving it. You're chasing it a little bit, maybe a little too hard at that point. I think because the team has got so many young and inexperienced guys, there's not like a, an established guy on here that's going to lead the way, that there's still a little flexibility in what the mood is going to be because the guys understand there's going to be growing pains. But I think you run into a danger if you're continuing to send guys out there and have them not perform and they're still getting opportunity after opportunity and you're not holding them to the same level of accountability. And I think that was kind of an interesting situation because the A's made some roster moves earlier this week. They sent Nick Allen down to the minor leagues. Kevin Smith got called up earlier in the week and so he kind of takes over those at-bats. And we saw some more from Jace Peterson. We saw some more from Aletmus Diaz this last weekend. But those guys were kind of struggling and it was kind of this divide for the A's. Hey, we signed these two veterans to long-term deals, but if we're going to lose 100 games, why aren't we giving those opportunities to Nick Allen? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing that the A's are going to be navigating about. How do we make sure that we are trying to stabilize this, set the example with these guys like Peterson and Diaz and even the the established veterans like a, a Tony Kemp versus giving an opportunity to a young guy that's still going to learn and how you balance all of that out. I mean, that is going to be a tightrope to walk series by series. And, you know, we're going to see some imbalance. Like the A's offense right now playing pretty well. Like the last week, I mean, it's not, it was a low bar to get better than they were. But the A's offense over the last week, 
you know, you're seeing them closer to the middle of the pack at baseball, not the bottom third. And if they're going out there and scoring five, eight runs a game like we saw in Baltimore, but the pitching staff is constantly giving up, you know, six and eight and nine runs, that's where you also build some frustration because guys start to feel like whatever I do doesn't matter. It just kind of seems like the pitchers are just kind of walking on eggshells, right? Like you were talking about if Fuji had got pulled in the six and then we just went, uh, you know, we went with what the roster was built for and, and bringing in a, a different pitcher to handle each inning and giving him a clean inning, like you said. And going back to that Baltimore series where uh, they had the one, I think it was tied 7-7 seven to seven going into night, and then you bring in Trevor May, yeah. and he throws two pitches, and the game's over, right? But at that point, you know, it's not a clean inning, and you've got him in there with a lead, and you're going, just do your job and protect the lead. When you bring him in at the bottom of the ninth in a tight game, Essentially, it's like if you make a mistake, you can lose it, but there's nothing you can do to win it. I mean, that that's part of being a relief pitcher, but it seems like everyone's already walking on eggshells. And the more you do this, like, I've got to be perfect. I can't make a mistake. I feel like the more likely you are to make a mistake. And that's what we just keep seeing. And this is where their rotation suffers a little bit is they don't have that established veteran presence in the lineup right now maybe when Paul Blackburn comes back I know he had another minor league stand he pitched well and you know as you get him back in there and you start having that guy that like okay we start here and we're going to try to build on that performance and you know that's another reason that you take Fuji out is like hey we're going to build on Fuji's performance I'm going to follow that the next day and I'm going to try to be the guy that's the first A's pitcher to get a win this season and the first starting pitcher to get a win this season. I'm going to be the guy that is the first one to get through seven innings. You know, like, make it an internal competition. And we've seen that thrive for a lot of guys because not that they're fighting for roster spots and a job and trying to stay in the big league. You don't want that. Because uh, guys are going to just think that they can't make mistakes. You want them competing against each other kind of the way you do on a golf course. When you're out there with your buddy and you're just trying to, like, hit a better shot and it's like good natured and that helps build camaraderie and chemistry. And we saw that with previous A's pitching staffs when Chris Bassett and Sean Manaya kind of became the established veterans and everyone fell in line with those guys. Now they don't have that yet. They've got young guys and you know, maybe Kyle Moeller becomes that. Maybe Fuji really establishes himself more consistently. Maybe Ken Waldachuk follows up on his outing in Baltimore, which is you know, he pitched pretty well in that. He, he didn't end well, but he went six innings and he had a chance, again, to get out of there feeling positive. It hasn't worked out for the A's with either Waldachuk or Fuji being able to get out of there just early enough that they can leave feeling good and maybe the A's get a win. But those are the things that you can maybe build on as you try to find some more consistency with the starting staff. I think that goes back to, you know, what you're saying, where what you want the team to be thinking is like, hey, my better is better than your better. And just having it like a friendly competitive rivalry where then you, you don't want Waldachuk going out there going, if I'm not perfect, they're going to send me down. Right. You know, and, and that's what I, I think that's where the problem is. And that's what I'm saying. Like, what is the vibe in that clubhouse right now? Is it already, hey, you need to have your heads down because you lost. And if you're a young guy, is it if I make a mistake, I'm going to get sent down. And you're watching veterans that aren't producing, but you know that they're safe. So even if you're playing just a little better than they are, 
that doesn't mean you're safe. Like, so then you get into that, I've got to be perfect. That's where it messes you up. When you're not thinking about the job you've got to do and you're thinking about anything else, that's when the job you've got to do falls apart. Putting some pressure on those A starters because it hasn't been very good. Some positive sign with Waldachuk getting deeper into the game, Bucci getting deeper into the game. You're hoping that maybe you can see some consistency start to form because it's been, I mean, there's no way around it. It's been terrible for this first set of it. I, I don't remember an A's pitching staff being this bad for this many turns through the rotation, but somebody that everyone's really excited about. We talked about it on Friday at the game when he made his AAA debut. I haven't been this excited for an A's pitching prospect since Rich Harden was carving his way through the system. And in a pre-Twitter kind of way, when you were hearing about Rich Harden, it was just buzz. You know, it's like, oh, did you see Rich Harden? He struck out 10 in four innings or something like that. You know, you just started hearing about this guy that was throwing 99 miles an hour and getting really excited about it. I haven't been this excited for an A's pitching prospect. And we're talking about Mason Miller, who was a third round pick by the A's in 2021. He was a guy that had uh, juvenile diabetes. He lost a ton of weight when he was first trying to make it in there. I think he was like 150 pounds, got diagnosed with childhood diabetes or juvenile diabetes. He's overcome that. He's now 200 pounds. This guy throws 100 miles an hour, made his AAA debut on Friday. And here's his pitching line. Five innings, no hits, no earned runs, no walks, which is big for the A's, 11 strikeouts. He threw 64 pitches. 23 of them, over 100 miles an hour. He generated 20 swing and miss type pitches. Those are elite ace type numbers. Now, it's AAA, but it's also in a ballpark that has historically favored the offense, and he dominated at AAA. He's moving very quickly through the A system. As bad as the starters have been, and we're talking about them not wanting to feel that pressure, when you got a guy like Mason Miller generating that kind of buzz, and knocking on the door and waiting for an opportunity. You know, if they don't perform, an opportunity is going to be there for Mason Miller at some point, a lot sooner than later, to come up a lot faster than I think a lot of people anticipated. You don't want to force him up before he's ready, right? Oh, I do. I Yes, but I hear you. But yes, I, I do. <laughs> I'm with you because a little bit is like, what's the worst he could do, right? Like not make it through three innings, right? Like then you're just, you're yeah. doing exactly what everybody else is doing. Then you're an A's starting pitcher. But yeah. the other side is maybe he comes up and he starts uh, getting through five, six consistently like, like you expected with the big three, like... You always expected the big three to get through five and six, if not seven or eight, you know? Um, but then you you start doing that, and then every time the bullpen loses it for you, you know? what What's that going to do for him? You know, so, it, and, you know, like you said, that was his first triple uh, triple A game. Triple right? A out so of, yeah. Yep. We've got to go out there again. We've got to see a little more. But honestly, with the way that the starters are producing, that's what we were joking about, you know, like that they pulled him and said, hey, you're heading up to Oakland. It's so frustrating that we are so fresh in a brand new baseball year and we're talking about AAA prospects because that is like the silver lining right now. Yeah, I just wonder how many turns through the rotation can you kind of hold your breath without anybody establishing themselves? You know, you have to build trust. Fujinami's start on Saturday, a big step to building some trust. Everything that he's done, he's gotten better each and every start. This last one, clearly his best. He cut down on the walks, which has been, you know, a big trouble spot for him 
throughout the spring and his professional career in Japan. You know, not saying that he figured it all out yet, but everything that he did on Saturday says, okay, that's encouraging. You know, there's still reasons to go out there and start him. And he got relatively deep into a game. Getting Waldachuk getting deep into a game in a hitter-friendly park in Baltimore, that's encouraging. Kyle Muller has been encouraging for most part. J.P. Sears has been, you know, what you expected, but he's been a solid. The guy that really is going to be in a lot of trouble right now is the guy that, you know, had potential to kind of seize that opening day starting role is a veteran that he's been waiting on. James Caprillion is really struggling right now, and I don't know if there's anything physically going on with him. They haven't said anything like that, but we saw it. He was the one who was on the mound on Friday night. His ERA is double digits. It's nothing that you're going to say. This is his first year starting on the opening day roster for the Oakland A's, but at some point, you know, you can't just make it on your reputation and things that you've done in the past. I mean, you just got to start performing at some point. And he had a really good outing against the Giants right before the season started. And that's when we were kind of questioning like, oh, should Moeller be the starter or should it be Caprillion? Right. And then Caprillion had that great start against the Giants that kind of made it seem like, yeah, maybe that should have been the guy. Moeller has gone out and done a, a pretty decent job for being a rookie and, and getting the reins. I hear what you're saying with Caprillion. It's been a little frustrating. I'm just going to ask you this. I know Blackburn's still not there, and, you know, Miller is still in AAA. But with the the pitchers that the A's have now, is there anyone that you believe is going to throw a complete game shutout? On the staff right now? On the staff right now. And we know Fuji's improving, so there is maybe a high ceiling. He's probably your high, highest ceiling guy. But even, you know, we were talking about the big three, but even going back to Manaya or Fires, you know, you could expect uh, Bassett. You could expect somebody to come out and deal and go the distance and go a whole game. Is there anyone on the staff right now that you're like, yeah, I'd make a wager that by the season's over? Because I don't think I would. Ah, long pause, dramatic checks, notes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're right. I mean, like the guy that you put your money on is Fujinami, right? Because he's the most established guy as far as what he's done professionally. Clearly, that's the guy, right? After that, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe Ken Waldachuk, if he can put it together, he's got a little bit more experience. Kyle Moeller's got a little bit of experience, but you know, right now, when you're looking at who these guys are and you're evaluating it, remember Chris Bassett didn't come on and become the ace of this staff right away. It wasn't until, you know, year three, year four that he started really kind of establishing himself in that mold. And right now you're looking at these guys. These guys are where Shamanaya was in year one and two, where Chris Bassett was in year one and two. And these are those growing pains, and this is where it hurts because in years past, the A's have had some veteran starters, and you know the Cole Irvin trade looked a little strange. Not that Cole Irvin has pitched well this season, and he just got sent down to the minors after he got rocked by the A's, but that was the kind of guy that you're thinking like, man, we kind of do need a cornerstone in this rotation somewhere. The A's believe Paul Blackburn was going to be healthy to start this year, so they kind of thought they had that covered, and if he can kind of come back in and establish some of that, well, then you do have it covered. It's just kind of unfortunate. They also have a guy... Drew Rusinski, who they signed out of Korea. You know, he's got major league experience, pitched in Korea, free agent signing. He was hurt at the start of the year. The A's are hoping to get him back soon. And hopefully with those guys, you kind of get more consistency. But right now, clearly, 
the issue is starting pitching for the Oakland A's. And whether Mark Kotze has to start figuring it out like we talked about in previous ones, tandems. Hey, I'm only counting on you to go four. Once you get through four, it's a short leash. And a little bit of what we saw on Friday, which was a different strategy, is when Caprillion got in trouble on Friday night, even though it did not go well the rest of the game, the strategy was to bring in Sam Mole, a reliever, come in, finish off that inning, then hand the ball to your long man for a clean inning after that. And maybe start figuring out like that is going to be the plan for these shorter outings rather than just, you know, bring in Adam Aller to try and clean it up and stay in the game. I'm going to burn a reliever right now to finish off what my starting pitcher couldn't do. And then I'm going to hand the ball to the long man with a clean inning, you know, in the next turn. Something's got to give. Going back to that, the first game in the Mets series, and it was just brutal. You know, it was hard to watch. At some points, it was almost comical, right? You know, we're walking in runs, just just giving them up for free. And I, I you know, we were trying to figure out why Perez came in. I think what I what I heard on the radio what today was that they took too many mound visits, and so that they had to bring him in. But it, you know, we are just so early in the year, and it all that gr- those great vibes from what an incredible opening night great fans there it was just amazing opening night and the vibes were like give me more A's baseball from what we're seeing like that blowout in the first game of the Mets series to have the lead and to keep it going and to have Fuji having his best his best start and then to lose it it's just disappointing you know the wind is out of the sails and look that we're we're like in the three third week if that and we're talking about the best AAA pitcher that we've got right now. Like, that is the highlight. We're like, hopefully he'll be up soon. Because what we've got and what we've got to talk about from what we're watching, it's rough. No, it's been real rough. And uh, one of the highlights, though, because we do want to keep it a little bit positive when we can, and you and I have been talking about this, the team not going well. But just like a couple weeks ago when Ryan Noda kind of like shined as a bright spot, there was a bright spot from this last week, especially mm-hmm. from the Baltimore series. Brent, the bane of Baltimore, Rooker. Like, he has really stood out. And there, it was a controversial move in the spring when the A's had a chance to hang on to Christian Pache. They elected to keep uh, Connor Capel, and they elected to keep Brent Rooker on the roster. And for the first week or so, you're thinking, why? You know, I'm not seeing Brent Rooker. This is a guy that's had a lot of home runs in the minor leagues and hasn't done much in the major leagues in a limited opportunity, but then he comes into this series in Baltimore, basically was the A's offense, you know, driving in runs, home runs, and, you know, playing like Babe Ruth reincarnated for a series. And Marcotte's got him high in the lineup against the Mets because he hits the ball hard. It's become a little bit of a change. Like, remember the mantra of Moneyball is like, Pete, why are we keeping this guy? Uh, Because he gets on base. Why are we keeping this guy? Because he hits the ball hard, and he hits home runs, and we need that kind of power. And he made a great diving catch out in left field as well. So, no, he, he's he got some power. He's made some plays with his glove. I don't want to be too negative because I know we're looking for the shining spot, you know. But we've also seen mistakes over in right field. You know, I, I think the run was going to come in anyway, but he tried to get in position. I think he was trying to get a crow hop, make a power throw in the home, and he just dropped the ball. But then you hit a three-run homer and totally redeem. And totally redeem yourself. Yeah, no, uh, the, it, seeing him get that power, it's been great. You know, and we have seen a lot of good individual performances. The trouble is, is it's a team game. 
you know, this isn't golf. This isn't track, you know, and we, we need, we need to see the team producing. And the, the problem is, is once we do get something figured out, when we do have a pitcher go and have a good outing and we do have a little offense going, not much, but a little, then we see a mistake by the manager or by the coaching staff, you know? And so we're just seeing it all the way around. And it's just as a fan, it's frustrating. You know, it is frustrating. That That's all I can say. There's no argument. You've got three wins. You're one of the worst teams in baseball by record-wise. You look at the numbers. You're looking for the positives. I mean, things are trending better offensively over the last week. You look at the numbers, and this is what you're hoping to see because at some point, you're hoping that things will click. If something clicks, if something emerges, maybe, you know, Tyler Soderstrom gets called up and, you know, winds up becoming that glue guy because he is a guy that has that star potential. I know mm-hmm. you don't like talking about the minor leaguers this early in the season, but at some point he'll be up. Zach Geloff might be up. Mason Miller might be up. And those are the high ceiling guys. You know, Shea Langoliers is one of those guys. Ruiz is another one of those guys. If those guys come up and spark a belief in this team, is like, this is the guy we're going to get behind. We're watching this future star maybe that starts turning things around and you start seeing like some crazy win streak in the middle of the season. And it's been a little unfortunate too because we have been playing some really good teams. You know, the Mets, Tampa Bay, just off to an incredible start. But what's frustrating is with that Baltimore series, it seemed at the very least we should have pushed, right, and come out two and two. And then to lose on a walk-off, you know, on two pitches – It's like, you know, that's the saying is good teams find a way to win. And we've won three games. That's all you got to say. But you can think about a couple games in that Guardian series, a couple games in Baltimore. They didn't break the A's way. The record looks, you know, not great, but a little bit better. And that buys you a little bit more relief because the longer you're losing, the more pressure you feel. It's going to be interesting to to watch this season because, you know, it's uh, a lot of bad early on. But you don't want this to continue where every week you're looking for, you know, some silver lining. You don't want the season to be a silver lining series uh, or season, if I can speak correctly. But, you know, at some point, the team has to come together. They have to figure it out themselves and figure out how they're going to make a run on it. So I'm not burying them yet, but there are some games where you're like, okay, third inning, I'm done. You know, (laughs) that's it. I'll watch the highlights. I'm not going to invest three hours in this one right now. Well, Rick, uh... You know, I appreciate it going out to the game with you. Shout out to the guys at Last Dive Bar. Yeah. We got our mustache pins of the game. Yeah, so uh, a rough week of A's baseball. Some positives we highlighted with Shintaro Fujinami's outing. Maybe Ken Waldachuk getting a little deeper into the game. The emergence of Brent, the bane of Baltimore Rooker. And Estuary Ruiz, every bit is advertised so far. The guy's having a great start to his season. So this is the Winter Hughes Podcast. New episodes debut every Monday. Make sure to find us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, And also make sure to like and subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Winter Hughes Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe.